In the name of the one true living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you, Mother Suzanne, for the invitation to be with you and the people of All Saints on your very first Consecration Sunday. It's always a treat to be the guest preacher on stewardship when the gospel passage of the day contains that inspiring phrase, weeping and gnashing of teeth. (laughs) What a very sly rector you have. I've learned my lesson, Suzanne, about saying yes to preaching before I look at the assigned gospel passage for the day. No wonder you called an outsider. (laughs) So about that gospel passage. Isn't it funny how our minds and attention always go right to what the bad servant did? Or I could speak for myself. Whenever I read or hear this passage, my attention always goes right to what the bad servant did or Rather, what he did not do. According to Jesus, all the servant with the one talent had to do was to take his talent down to the Jerusalem members' credit union or to the Bank of Rome, deposit that one talent into passbook savings or to the money market, earn 1% annually, and return the talent with meager interest when his master returned. So, if you are looking for the old-fashioned stewardship sermon on this passage, then let me offer it to you now, straight up and quickly, so we can get it over with. Here's the old-fashioned sermon. Don't be the fool that takes your one talent and hides it in the ground. Instead, do the bare minimum, turn in your pledge card with a 1% increase over what you gave last year, or there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. End of sermon. (laughs) Amen. Go home. (laughs) I suppose that sermon has worked well for many a stewardship preacher over the years, but not anymore. Outer darkness doesn't hold the threat that it once did, and I'm not going to threaten you with outer darkness today. But I am wondering if you and I can play with this passage from Matthew Imagine with me that we do not turn immediately our attention to identify with the servant with one talent. For if we see ourselves as the servant with one talent, then what we're really theologically admitting is that we don't believe that God, the master in this parable, is truly loving or gracious or generous. We are also admitting that we don't see ourselves as God's own beloved creation with whom God is madly in love. Instead, if we see ourselves as the servant with one talent, what we're really admitting is that we believe God to be some sort of micromanagey school marm who barely acknowledges us as God's own creation, that we are barely worthy of God's love, and that God is ready to catch us at any moment doing something wrong. God, to punish us for every infraction. In Matthew's words, if we understand ourselves to only hold one talent— then we know God to be a harsh man, reaping where he did not sow and gathering where he did not scatter seed. That is not the God I know or the God in which I believe. I hope that is not the God that you know or the God in whom you believe. In the Episcopal Church, we tend to profess belief in a God that is so passionately, wildly in love with us that God would do anything, even giving up God's own flesh and blood on a Bible God's 
gathering where to only hold punish us wrong. God is ready to punish us for every infraction for every infraction for every infraction for every infraction. Matthew's word, if we understand ourselves only we know God to be a harsh man, reading where he did not sow and gathering wearing where That is not the God I know or the God in which I believe. I hope that is not the God that you know or the God in whom you believe. In the Episcopal Church, we tend to profess belief in a God that is so passionately wise. That is not the God I know or the God in which I believe. I hope that is not the God that you know or the God in whom you believe. In the Episcopal Church, we tend to profess belief in a God that is so passionately, wildly in love with us that God would do the will of God. I hope that is not the God that you know or the God in whom you believe. And earth to prove to us how much we or the God in which we know, and gathering where he didn't scatter seed. That is not the God I know or the God in which I believe. I hope that is not the God or five talents. New Testament scholars are actually still arguing. These scholars tell us that a talent is worth about $1.25 million. So let's go wild this morning and side with the liberals. Congratulations, you and I are multimillionaires. By the way, when you think about it in these terms, even the guy with only one talent is still a multimillionaire, but... We did nothing to earn the 2.5 or 6.25 million dollars that we've now got burning holes in our pockets. Instead, these are pure gifts from God. By the way, a gift from God is what those of us in the theological business call grace. An unexpected, unearned windfall, something that God does as an act of love, something that God bestows upon us just because God wants to. The question this gospel story invites us into is this. Okay, you and I are spiritual millionaires. What do we do with these talents now that we have them? Notice that the master in Matthew's story today praises the servants for going out and doing something with the talents. He praises them for trading those talents. What does it mean for us to go out into our world and to say, we the members of all saints, we, the people of the Diocese of Indianapolis, we, the people of the whole Episcopal Church, the whole Anglican Communion, we, Christians of all stripes and types, have a wonderful gift to share with you. We have a grace that has been offered to us that we neither expected nor deserved. We have a benefactor who, for some crazy reason, is so wildly in love with us that she bestowed upon us an unexpected fortune and a gift that has blessed us with new life and hope in this very uncertain world. She has given us a peace that passes all understanding. We are wondering, world, could we share this extravagance, this love, this gift, this grace with you? We would like to trade this grace with you, world. We'll take in your fears and your scarcities and your hurts and your demons, and we'll offer back to you joy and resurrection and hope and blessing. You, the people of all saints, you have already been doing this work of trading, of exchanging God's grace for more than 100 years. 
You have been trading in the extravagant millions of God's love right here on the corner of 16th and Central since you were founded as Grace Parish, a rather ironic name given today's sermon, don't you think, in 1866. You served as a cathedral of this diocese for 42 years. You were early leaders in the prophetic movements for the inclusion of people of color, of women, of people suffering from devastation from HIV and AIDS in the church when no other congregation literally would do so. You have given a piece of your own property to ensure that homeless families in Indianapolis have somewhere to sleep safely at night. You are now this wonderful way station in the midst of a rapidly changing and gentrifying neighborhood, and you offer this magnificent Anglo-Catholic prayer and music and hospitality that offers this glimpse of a very extravagant, beautiful God. You, right now, are a beacon of hope and inclusion in a political climate that is focused on division and exclusion as you lead many communities of faith through Indican. You are generous in sharing your gifts with the rest of the Episcopal Church. I am one of the beneficiaries and recipients of your gifts. Thank you, as I work to start a new congregation in Brownsburg. You are ambassadors of God out in our community as you serve day by day as teachers of yoga and communication experts and bartenders and spiritual directors and insurance adjusters. This morning, your master is telling you this. Well done, good and trustworthy slaves of all saints. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will now put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. So now, rather than having 2.5 million or a paltry 6.25 million dollars in your pockets, we discover this morning that God is bestowing more grace upon you. Now you've got 5 million dollars of God's grace in your pockets, 12.5 million dollars of God's grace. So again, the question to you, people of all saints, is what will you do with these extravagant gifts and blessings that God has given to you? How will you respond? For Episcopalians, and I suspect especially for you as members of this Anglo-Catholic parish, our primary act of responding to God's grace is coming together week by week to do what we're doing right now, to celebrate Mass, the Holy Eucharist. The word Eucharist in Greek literally means thanksgiving. All that we do together in this liturgy this morning, all of our singing and praying and kneeling and listening and celebrating and breaking bread and drinking wine, all of this is our way of saying to God, thank you. Thank you for the good and many gifts you give to us. As Mother Suzanne and your clergy sing week by week to you, lift up your hearts and you respond, we lift them to the Lord. What you are doing is placing your grateful hearts on the altar of God as a response, as a thank you to what God has already given to you. So now, it is with that mindset that I can speak to you as your Consecration Sunday speaker about stewardship. All that we have, all that we are belongs to God. Giving of our time, our talent, our treasure is not just about meeting the parish budget nor is it about responding to the needs of the world. Both of these are important, yes. 
But those are not the primary reasons we are here. We are here today at this Mass, at this Eucharist, to say thank you to God with our whole selves, to participate in the great Thanksgiving known as the Eucharist. We are here to respond to God's extravagant love with a gift of our own. The amount, while important, doesn't really matter to God. What does matter is that we are offering something meaningful of ourselves that expresses our genuine thanks for the gifts that God bestows upon us and that we are offering that gift regularly and consistently as a spiritual discipline, not to please God, but as a way of reminding ourselves that the grace of God, the love of God, so freely bestowed by God on us is not ours, but rather it is God's, and it is a gift with which we've been entrusted. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. As part of Consecration Sunday, there's something of a bit of an altar call at our ceremony today. After we finish the creed and the confession and the prayers of the people and we say the peace, we will pause for a time of reflection. I will come to the lectern and I will invite you to pray about how you can respond to the gift of God's grace that God has so lavishly bestowed upon you and all of us, and especially upon this parish church. And then I will invite us to come forward as the Spirit moves us, to come and to place on the altar a confidential card containing an estimate of your giving, what we intend to give to the ministry of all saints in 2018 as our individual response to God's grace. Notice here I say estimate. This is not some sort of binding commitment or contract. And if certainly your circumstances change, either positively or adversely, you may decide to change that estimate with written notice to the parish treasurer. Instead of being a contract or a commitment with all saints, what I'm inviting you into this morning is a spiritual growth commitment between you and God. You are making a commitment between yourself and God to enter into a spiritual act week by week where you acknowledge that you are not the servant with one talent, but rather you are one of the many servants with many, many talents.